And Ian. Um, so Psalm 5, we've been going through the Psalms in the summer. Last week we didn't preach on Psalms just because of a schedule um, change, um, but this is finishing off a short Psalm series that we're doing um, in the summer, and it's going to be a bit different today. So rather than what you might expect from a, a classic preach or what you used to hear, this is going to be a bit more of a, a devotional reading through the Psalms, and we're going to pray together a little bit. So um, sometimes this is where people get very uncomfortable. So if you're not a Christian, and you're just checking out church or checking out Jesus, there's no expectation for you to do anything, okay? Uh, we understand that if people around you are praying, it might be, feel a bit uncomfortable. But can I encourage you to pray? What's the worst that could happen? Is your words could go into the air. However, we think that you might actually encounter Jesus, which is our heart here, is that you come to know and find and follow Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles open from Psalm chapter 5, we're going to read the whole thing, and then we'll just... Break it down little bit um, by little bit. I'm reading from the NIV, and if you're particular, the NIV 1984 version. Anyone have the 1984 version? It's quite different from the 2011 version, but we won't go into that right now. Um, Psalm chapter 5. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you that our God is greater, and we thank you for breakthroughs in daily life. But God, we're blown away by the great breakthrough of Calvary, where you broke through the barrier, the wall dividing us and you. And uh, Jesus, you bore all our sin on the cross that we might be free yes. and enjoy all the other breakthroughs that we have. And as we come now to your word, Lord, these words written many, many, many years ago, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us. And we posture our hearts as best as we can to listen and to receive from you. So why don't you do that rather than just listen to me pray, just in your own way, just take a moment to just quieten your heart and say, God, I'm open to you speaking to me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come and speak to us, we pray. Amen. Amen. So let's uh, read through the whole, whole uh, psalm, and then we'll come back to it. So Psalm chapter 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing, or some translations will be groaning or lament. Can I have a big sigh in the room? Okay, here we are. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my requests before you and I wait in expectation. You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies, bloodthirsty and deceitful men the Lord abhors. But I... By your great mercy, can you say mercy? mercy, will come into your house. In reverence, I will bow down towards your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make straight your way before me. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with destruction. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongue, they speak deceit. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them. For their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. For surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with a favor as with a shield. One of my favorite verses. So this, um, so these psalms, okay, are this one written by David has a historical setting, which helps to explain some of um, 
the, the particular nuances that it could be called an imprecatory psalm, or however you pronounce it, which are psalms that call for judgment against God's enemies. So just as a broad overview before I dive into this devotionally, you might want to make notes on your Bible or scribbles or particularly get your Bible out. That might be helpful so you can follow um, or just follow it on the screen. Is um, Most commentators would think King David, who you read about in the Old Testament, was here wrestling with his son Absalom's rebellion and seeking to overthrow him. So a couple of the early Psalms, David's son is, um, is an evil man and he's seeking to rebel and usurp um, David. And so David's coming in earnest, very honest prayer and he's pouring out his heart to God. Okay, so that's some of the, the context. So when he's speaking about evil men, there's a context to that, but obviously there are principles in it well. So let's just... Read through it, devotionally, little by little, and see where we get to in our time, and we'll stop and pray at some points, possibly, or we'll, we'll pray at the end. So it starts with, give ear to my words, O Lord. So obviously, so this is kind of like how I do, if I was having a devotional, we'll just talk through it. So give ear to my words, O Lord. So this is kind of an appeal. Obviously, God hears. <laughs> he hears everything, doesn't he? But this is a specific thing, David said, I'm coming before you, Lord, and I really want you to hear what I'm saying. I want you to be attentive now. And, and the Lord answers every prayer, doesn't he? It's not always yes. <laughs> sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says wait, and sometimes it's not said to us, and we just have to, we just have to wait. But there is nothing that escapes his attention, is there? So when you come to pray, whether you feel your prayers have been deeply spiritual or they are just moanings and groaning, groanings. He hears. But he does come with a posture of humility, doesn't he? Because he says, Give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my sighing. So when I read that, I think, okay, I'm glad that I can just sigh, or moan, or groan. or uh, But I'm doing it in a way that I know God considers them, and he understands my heart isn't perfect, right? He understands that some of my motives for praying are mixed up, he understands that some of the expressions of my heart are not coming from a good place. Even if I'm trying to do it, I'm glad I don't have to, before I pray, filter everything into perfection. <laughs> because I can say, Lord, consider my prayers. Okay, sometimes we get paralyzed thinking, what if I'm praying from the wrong motive? What if it's all right? Oh, no, there's good questions in that, aren't they? Right? Now, if you're, praying, if you're praying something that's obviously contradictory to God's will, you're in a good place to question yourself, okay? But sometimes you just know there's something in my heart, Lord, and I want you to consider my sighing. I mean, sometimes my prayers sound like this. I've been in a situation, I just walk away and I go, oh, Jesus. Have you ever done that? It's like, oh, Lord, what just happened there? For goodness sake, Lord. Or sometimes you don't even use words. You just go, oh. So I've been quite tired this, this week, probably like everyone else, because your sleep's broken. So some of my morning prayers, evening prayers have just been like, oh. Ten minutes later, I've done nothing else. It's like, um, just gonna, uh, other times when you're a bit downcast, you just, oh, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just all over the place, and I'm fed up, Lord. You know that person, you know. Oh, Lord, you know my heart. I don't even know what to make sense of this. Oh, oh. Have you ever prayed like that? When you don't consider it praying, he's hearing. <laughs> he's talking to God, but there is this humility we come and say, Lord, I, I, you know better than me what's going on. And uh, it's better, there's obviously, you need a bit more of a filter in public, don't you? Okay, you need a little bit of a filter when you're praying with others. You need a bit of wisdom because you're seeking to speak to God, but to serve others, aren't you? 
So particularly in your personal private prayer, then God can consider it. So we come with an element of, in a sense, knowing that he can weigh it, knowing that he can judge our prayers, knowing that he can handle them. Of course, there's wisdom tied into what we say, but sometimes there's just seasons in your life where all you can do is sigh. Have anyone ever had a season in their life like when you come to prayer, you're so brokenhearted, or you're so angry, or you're just so downcast? You don't really have much to say, do you? It's like, oh. Or you're so confused, and you know it's not necessarily about others, and it's just yourself, and you just, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. There's times I just, I think I say Lord about 20 times, and that's all I say. But there's a, there's a deep sighing and a, a longing. That's okay. It's often where prayer is part. It's part of prayer. You don't always end up there, but it's part of this context of what days pray. Give ear to my words. When you read the Psalms, it's helpful to try and, I guess, express the emotion in them. So at this point, you're not really sure. Is David like angry? Is he frustrated? Is he down? And he's certainly appealing. Give ear to my prayer, Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry. Can you say cry? cry. You know, I think that's, you know, it's either a, come on, Lord, or it's just a, oh. There's a, there's a, there's a cry within us. I just feel so dry, Lord. Help me. And Lord, my children and parenting, I just keep, just keeps going wrong. Whatever it might be, or whatever your situation might be, to you, I pray. Listen to my cry for help. I mean, when you see words, it's helpful that they prompt things in the Bible, aren't they? So, you know, and it says in Hebrews 4, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence to receive mercy and help in our time of need. You know, you get these grand verses, let us approach the throne of grace. Okay, wow, to worship, yes, but also to receive help in time of need. And then he goes on and he says, my king and my God. Those are beautiful words, isn't it? So there's king and God, which some of us would focus on, and that's important. But my is really important here. There's a, there's a personal sense of this. Like We're, we're not aliens to God. <laughs> he knows us. Our, well, our feeble frame, he knows, doesn't he? Um, sometimes I say this to my kids because I say it to myself. When they may be overwhelmed or emotionally pent up, I'm like, you don't even know what's going on inside of you, do you? No, I don't. So, but listen, God knows you better than you even know yourself. Do you know, as you follow and walk with Jesus, there's not a single moment you're ever alone. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh no. Um, but there's, there's been someone with you, beside you, knowing you every moment of your lives. Through the deepest, darkest, through the highest lows, through your worst moments, through your best moments. He is your king, and he is your God, and he is your Lord. He's ours, it's true. But there's a deep personal sense here. He's not, in a sense, alien to us. But he is also a king, and he is also a God. When it comes to prayer, you will often find in Scripture there are declarations first of who God is. That's how we try to start worship at church, with singing songs about God. Now, it's not always exactly like that. Why? Because we can start asking God for things, and we can start... Believe in him for things, which is great, but unless we've had some sense of, I guess, transcendent awareness of who God is, we're either asking with kind of pretty self-centered motives, which can happen anyway, or we're not really sure who we're asking. But when we make it about God and we feel our, he's God, he's king, he's Lord, he's sovereign, then when you come to ask, 
Not only do you have humility, you have confidence as well, because of who you're asking. So we're coming to my, there's this personal sense, my God and my King. And then he says, end of verse 2, for to you I pray. He's not first going somewhere else. He's not warring into the sky. He's not going to some idols or some gods of the weather or the sun or the moon or something. For to you I pray. Where do you take your troubles first? Where do you take your moanings and groanings and sighings first? Where do you take your cries first? Where do we... Who do we go to? What do we go to? Is it the fridge for comfort eating? You know, is it the TV for entertainment, distraction, you know, to I uh, can be guilty of, you know? Where, where, where do we, for, no, to you, Lord, I come. To you, I seek my vindication from. Uh, one commentator says, in these things, you, 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 you're getting a mixture of a feel of here. Yeah, maybe, maybe there's a deliberate prayer time here, but it's also just as you go along. Consider my sighing. I can imagine David on the throne dealing or however it worked, dealing with the day's business. And in between, he's just going, oh, Lord, help me. Oh, God, wisdom. God, you're wonderful. You know, as one commentator said, let us cultivate the spirit of prayer, which is even better than the habit of prayer. We make a lot about the habit of prayer, don't we, sometimes in churches? Have you got your 20 minutes of prayer? Have you got your devotional time? Are you praying? But you can just be praying. There's something that sits in our heart. It's better than the habit of prayer. We should begin to pray before we kneel down, and we should not cease to pray when we rise up. We're just praying all the time, sighs and joys and delights. So as you walk or travel home today, look at the greenery of the trees and pray. Just isn't it great? Look how beautiful the trees are. Look at the cloud. Haven't the clouds been amazing recently? The cloud kind of formation. Anyone else notice those? Look for one. Look for opportunities to just pray as you go. Develop a spirit of of prayer, even as you go, as you sit down to eat your delightful lunch, as you get home and you get to sit in front of a fan. <laughs> Who's looking forward to that? Just think, wow, Lord, air and wind and technology, you're amazing. Ah. And sigh in a different way. Okay, so then verse three. Oh, Lord, in the morning, can you say morning? morning. You hear my voice. So this is where all the nighttime people start to get nervous. Here we go. Preacher talking about morning prayer again. Um, don't worry, it's not just that. But it is important. In the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my requests before you and I wait in expectation. Spurgeon says this. He's a, uh, one of those famous old Christian dudes. He says in verse 3, I think he was saved in Colchester, wasn't he? Spurgeon. It's just down uh, towards the Hyde in Newtown. There's a little chapel there where I think he had missed his church service and it was snowing or something, and he, he walked to church one day and just found the nearest church, and the preacher basically, I, don't, I can't remember what it was, but he just said like one phrase the whole time. Who can remind me? Who's a better historian? What's that? Look to me. And he just pointed at the young man Spurgeon and just said, look to me and be saved. Look to me and be saved. I think he kept going. I, I would have got saved that day as well. <laughs> um, but Spurgeon got saved, and he's been an amazing preacher. But he says this, um, just commenting on this verse, in the morning, while the dew is on the grass, let grace drop upon the soul. Let us give to God the morning of our days and the morning of our lives. Prayer should be the key of the day and the lock of the night. Devotion should be both the morning star and the evening star. I love that first bit. While the dew is on the grass, let grace drop upon the soul. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Dew when you wake up in the morning. It's refreshing. It looks beautiful. It's obviously settled in the night. There's a freshness that's going to feed the grass during the day. While that's going on in the same way, just let grace drop upon your soul, i.e., use your mornings. 
whatever they look like, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 4.30, if you're doing your shifts, uh, 3 o'clock, or uh, whether you're getting up at 11 or, or 12, and you don't have shifts, 11.59 still counts as the morning, you're okay. Um, but there's, there's something here about a firstness, isn't there? Is at the start of something, at the start of the day, at the start of, I don't know, a conversation, at the start of your work, at the start of something, hear my voice, and I lay my requests before you. Now, some of your translations will say, order my prayers before you. So the Hebrew word here, so obviously I wouldn't know this in my devotionals, don't worry, I've done a little bit of reading, um, but I might read it alongside a, a commentary. The Hebrew word here is, it speaks more about ordering my prayers, and it's a, akin to how the priests would order a sacrifice on the altar. So they would order their prayers, and then the priest would wait for, for the fire, as it were, for God to receive them. So the picture here is I, I lay my requests at the start of the day. I order my prayers before God, and I love this. I wait in expectation. I think that's something we hugely miss in prayer. We pray for things and we forget about it because we've ticked it off our prayer list. And we forget to look. I wonder how God will answer this prayer. Or we forget to act. You know, you say, God, give me courage to speak to this person about Jesus. And you stand there waiting for courage. Is it going to come? Is it gonna... Hey, we're, we're people of faith, aren't we? We ask, we anticipate. And some things are a bit grayer than others. But when you ask God for courage to share Jesus, he's, he's a good father. He's not going to give you rocks and stones, is he? So we step out in faith. That's our expectation. That's how we seek to see God answer at prayer. So we say, God, would you give me courage? You step out. And you're, you're watching <laughs> now, Lord. <laughs> now, and you, you take action. You see this with the crossing of the seas and various other miracles in the Old Testament. God said, prepare yourselves for tomorrow you're going to cross the Jordan. When did the water start to part? When they're all sitting back and watching it. No, it's when they put their foot in there. You've got to act on it. You pray, particularly things that are clearly in God's will, and you think, well, I'm going to act on it. And I, I, I anticipate God act. So whether you're praying for a spiritual gift, you know, quite often people get stuck on the, spirit, on the gift of speaking in tongues, right? Or different languages. We think it's just going to happen to us. Well, we don't do that with any other gift, do we? With most of the gifts, we say, God, pray, give me this gift, and you step out in faith, and you encourage someone. Or you step out in faith, and you prophesy, and you learn the gift. So that one, we think, okay, Lord, I, I lay my requests before you, and I watch in expectation. And Lord, you said, put you first with my money, okay? Well, Lord, I'm going to tie everything else up before I do that. It's never going to happen. Five years down the line, you'll be like, I wonder why I haven't started making God first with my time and money. No, you, you do it. You, you do it in anticipation. God says, test me in this and see that I will not open the storehouses of heaven and bless you. You have to come with expectation and anticipation. So what is it you believe in God for and how are you looking for it? It's a lovely picture, isn't it? Now, for some of you, you've been looking for it for a long, long, long time, whether it's healing or someone to be saved or a change in your relationship or your circumstances. Listen, uh, I've been listening to Toby Mac. Anyone listen to Toby Mac? Yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting with the cool kids. Uh, I'm getting there. Uh, there's this song about, uh, well, God's just breakthrough. He says, he's never early. He's never late. He's always on time. Uh, anyone else heard that song? Probably doesn't sound like that to you because uh, I can't sing. But it's a great song. It's done my soul a lot of good. 
He's never early. He's never late. He's just always on time. The sovereign God will act when we pray. And remember, if you pray for patience, <laughs> it might give you a circumstance where you can develop patience. Uh, but you've got to look for that and anticipate that. Again, Spurgeon says this, we sow the seed, i.e. we pray, we lay our requests, and we are too idle to seek a harvest. How can we expect the Lord to open the windows of his grace and pour us out blessing if we will not open the window of expectation and look up for the promised favor? He's good with words, this guy, isn't he? Let holy preparation, praying, preparing our prayers before God, link hands with patient expectation. And we shall have far larger answers to our prayers. You see this so often in Scripture. People ask God, they step out, and then it happens. Or God says, and it doesn't just happen, God says, people act, and God moves. <laughs> right? But for some reason we think, I'll ask and I'll just wait for it to happen. Now, sometimes it does, particularly when you're asking for other circumstances. God moves mightily. Sometimes it takes a long time. But God is acting. But let us link hands between holy preparation, our praying, our asking, and patient expectation. So I'm just going to pause there for a moment, and I'm going to ask us to pray, maybe just individually this time. So just of all the things I've said so far, okay, just our sighing, our praying as we go, not necessarily worrying about these prayers, but also having some organized prayers. We prepare our prayers before God, and we ask Him for stuff, and we seek an expectation. So just for a moment, this bit will be maybe quiet, uh, and then we'll pray together a little bit as we go. What is it that you feel right now you'd want to give expression to in prayer? <laughs> Something you're like, oh, I really want to sigh about this, but I'm not sure how. I mean, you can groan out loud if you want to. Um, so just take a moment, a minute, let's take a minute and just uh, ask God again, or maybe ask for expectation. Just show me. Um, resolve to be expectant. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you hear our prayers. And we do say as to you we pray, Lord. We, we run to so many other things. But it's to you we pray. And uh, just as we have ordered in some sense, we have laid out our prayers, our sighings, our longings. Pray you would help us, Holy Spirit, to act and anticipate. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear the way you act. Amen. So if you've asked to be able to opportunity to share your faith with your neighbor today, look out for the moments when they're right next to the fence. By your, or as you walk home, what opportunities you have. Or you might just meet someone at the supermarket and you think, oh, this person's really friendly. Take the opportunity to 
to speak to them. Or if you feel, you know, I want to really pray for people to be healed, go and find someone who needs healing and pray for them. We'll see what God does. And then we have verses 4 to 6, which are not the, the nicest verses to read or to meditate on. It says, you are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you, the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men the Lord abhors. So here the context is really helpful. So David is contrasting. Um, he, he's going to speak in the next few verses about the righteous man and trying to do the right thing and trying to honor God and the wicked man. And you could, you know, you could say, okay, Absalom. You know, he's, he's describing the Absalom-like person. Someone is out to get him, to kill him, to destroy him. He's not honoring God. He's, he's doing things all the wrong way. And then he's going to contrast and say, but, but I'm trying to do this. I don't want to do it this way because there's temptation to, isn't it? <laughs> to take hold of things and to get back at people and to... But David's going to say quite differently. But these are sobering verses, are they not? And as much as we want to believe our God has changed us and done for us, it's sometimes good for us to look at sober stuff in our souls. You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. Again, uh, commentator says, Rest assured, Christ will not live in the parlor of our hearts if we entertain the devil in the cellar of our thoughts. Right? So you think we, we can have God, we can have all this nice stuff that we enjoy about God, but actually, you know what, I, I'm harboring this kind of thing, and I'm living this, and I'm making these, cho- these kind of choices. You think, I, I get to enjoy God, oh, he's happy with me, but I'm, listen, God does not take pleasure in evil, right? None of us take pleasure, if you're a parent, in our children doing stuff that's wrong, unkind, or someone we know. There's just no pleasure in it. There's nothing that... God isn't numb to it, right? So when we do wrong, God isn't numb to it, is it? It affects him. So sin, we often say this, sometimes we think we've sinned against a person first, right? No, no, no. All sin is first a grievance against God because we've dishonored some, someone made in his creation or we've done things in a way that doesn't. So, so when we confess our sin and repent, it's first to God, Lord, I am sorry. And then it's to others. But there is no pleasure in it. With the wicked, he cannot dwell. You know, and I think God is sovereign. He can do anything. But if we're like, God, I want to encounter you. God, I want to know you. But we're living with all this stuff. And, and there's like this willful and deliberate sin in our lives. And we're saying, welcome Jesus into that. I, it's, not, it's not a place he's welcome. It's not a place he wants to dwell. It's not a place he wants to go. Now, I want to rush to the next verses because we, we can show it's not just all about us cleaning up our lives, but we'll, we'll get there. But this still stands, isn't it? There's a sobriety to sin. So, Lord, as we come and pray in the mornings, you think, or whenever it is, help us, Lord, forgive us for these things. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men the Lord abhors. So there, there is judgment with God, is there not? He can't be loving if he doesn't judge, you know, because he's got to come against that which he loves. But often we find these things difficult in Scripture, but they are an invitation, aren't they? Because the very next verse, David says, but I, because I'm so wonderful, can come into your house. Is that what he says? No, the contrast, but, but I, not because I'm not like them, not because I'm so much better, Although he says, I, by your great mercy. Great mercy is available to you if these things are true of you. And they were true of us all until we got saved, weren't they? 
If you're dabbling and messing around and holding on to sin, right, there's a sobriety here, but there's an invitation. And by the mercy of God, you can come into his house. You don't need to be outside. You can come inside. And David says, I will come into your house. In reverence, I will bow down towards your holy temple. Verse 8, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Note again, it's his righteousness. Right? In your, not mine. David's not claiming any superior personal righteousness outside of God. And for us, we'd say outside of, outside of Christ. And he says, lead me in your righteousness because of my enemies. Say, God, I'm, I want to honor you. Lead me this way. Be fruitful and deliver me in my righteousness because of evil. Lord, show that justice wins the day. <laughs> Lord, show that honoring you is fruitful. Make straight your way before me. So there's this great invitation some of your versions will say steadfast love. I by your steadfast love. So what is your confidence when you come to church, when you gather, when you come before God, when you pray? What, what would you say, this is my confidence now in praying? I don't know if you've ever thought of that. When you come to pray, well, why, why am I even doing this? Why do I think it counts? Why do I think it's going to work? Why do I think God's going to answer my prayer? Well, because of his steadfast love. Because of his mercy. Because of his Righteousness. Now we, now we know Jesus as the ultimate righteous one who removes all our unrighteousness should we call out upon him as our Lord and Savior and entrust our lives to him, right? It's, it's not that we're better, it's that he's taken our sin. And we have said yes and amen. <laughs> and we are running away from it and enjoying Jesus as best as we, as we can. I'm aware of, aware of time. So I just want for a moment for us to, to give thanks, Okay. So these are all models you will find prayer in Scripture. So for a minute, I'm going to ask us all out loud, just where we are, to give thanks to God for His mercy, His steadfast love, His righteousness. If you're a bit hesitant about praying out loud, develop the habit. It's a good thing. The Psalms can't call us to it. Mutter under your breath. It's okay. But it's really not the end of the world if you don't pray out loud, okay? If you're comfortable praying out loud, bless your neighbor and be a bit louder so they can pray quietly and not worry too much, Okay? Now, um, that might bless some and not bless others, you know. Um, so just in a moment, I just want you to think for a moment, okay, if I'm thanking God for great steadfast love and mercy, we're just going to spend a minute praying out loud, you know, don't, you know that, that's so that we can encourage each other. Because the way I pray works, I'm going to hear someone pray something. I was like, oh, that's, that's good. And I'm going to pray. And you're like, oh, I'll have some of that. You know, and I'll pray. It's like, oh, I don't know what words to use. Oh, those are good words. Let me use those, okay? So we bless each other. But also the songs say, let us extol. God, let us make much of him. Okay? So let's pray for a minute. You'll have me babbling on the mic. So again, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the confidence I can come into your house, Lord, because of your great mercy, Lord, as we've read in Hebrews, Lord, because boldly I can come before the throne of grace to receive mercy now. Thank you. I can come into your house, Lord. I can't just be one of your subjects, Lord, counted just a name on a line. I thank you. I come into the house of God. It's a family word. I thank you. You've drawn me into family. You now call me a son, Lord. I was by nature an object of wrath, but now because of your mercy, because you came down, because you called me, because you've opened my eyes, Lord, you've awoken my, my soul. I now get to come into the house of God. I thank you I have a father. I thank you I have a family. I thank you I have a, a future, Lord. Thank you even in these days, Lord, we, we get to be part of this beautiful house of God. And Lord, it's all because of your steadfast love, because of your great mercy. And so, Lord, we, we bow down in reverence as we think, wow, it's amazing, Lord. 
It's undeserved. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I get to come and bow in reverence and worship, not just in fear and trembling for judgment, but I get to bow in awe of the one who has flooded us with mercy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You have borne all my iniquities on the cross. You have taken all the judgment and wrath of God that I might go free. Jesus in my place. Wonderful, Lord. And I get to come into the house of God, to your holy temple. Thank you for your righteousness, Jesus. Thank you that you lived the perfect life, died the perfect death for all our sins so that I, the imperfect one, could enjoy your righteousness. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Good to give voice to our prayer. Okay, let's uh, finish up. Verse 9, so you see there's a double pattern in this psalm, kind of repeats in one way, then another. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with destruction. Their throat is an open grave. So you think, okay, a grave has a dead body in it. And they're saying their throats are an open grave. So the imagery is that they've got a dead heart, right? It's just so far gone, so far hardened. Despite God's steadfast love and mercy, you remember the story of Pharaoh, God sent messenger again and again and again and again and again. And Pharaoh hardens his heart, hardens his heart. There comes a time when God leaves you to your devices. That's mostly how the judgment of God works. He leaves you to yourself. And you see this where David goes on in verse 10. Declare them guilty of God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Right? So you get this great principle in Scripture, you, you reap what you sow, okay? God, in His steadfast mercy, appeals, and He calls out, and He draws you close, and He calls you away from something, and He's patient, and He's kind. But you can harden your heart, and you can harden your heart, and you can harden your heart, and His voice gets quieter to you, and you get more distant, and there comes a point you're left to yourself. And look at the world when it rejects God. God in his mercy, there are beautiful things. But were it not for the restraining common grace of God, you and I would be an utter wreck. And sometimes, so I've, I've, it's hard to pray such songs, but there have been times when my nation, Zimbabwe, my home nation, was ravaged by evil. You think sometimes you want to pray these things. But we, but we leave it to the Lord, Right? Say, Lord, let their intrigues be their downfall. I feel I always have to add, and I think it's right. But Lord, should you choose to be merciful as you were with me, save them, bless them, change them, or remove them. I think we find suitability for those prayers in Scripture, right? Consider my prayers, Lord, you know my motives. And have mercy, save, transform, walk a miracle for your glory. But if they're hard in their hearts, Lord, deal with them. There's a sobriety to these prayers, and maybe there are things coming against us that humbly, because our hearts are mixed, we say, consider our prayers, but Lord, have your way. Lord, bring justice here. Verse 11, but let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name, not my name, see, David's heart is about God's glory, right? Let those who dishonor you Lord, deal with them. Those who honor you, Lord, bless them. And I love verse 12. It's a, it's a prayer I often pray. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with favor as with a shield. To be a Christian is to be a favored one. Right? It's to be a one who has undeserved of everything, but God has reached out. Now, by his mercy, we've called out. 
And anyone can call out and become a favored one of God. Hallelujah. Is mystery in it. So some people say, oh, the Bible's so exclusive. No, the Bible's full of invitation. There is no need to be excluded. Because <laughs> you can receive Jesus right here and now for the first time or again and again in his mercy and in his grace. Spurgeon says when it says, bless the righteous, this is a promise of infinite length, of unbounded breadth, and of unutterable preciousness. Hallelujah. And this picture of a shield is not like a little dibbly you know, thing there. It's like a, the image in the day would have been like a full body shield. You surround him with favor as with a, as with a shield. And the favor of God lasts forever. It doesn't always look like how we think. So one day we're going to spend a minute before we come to sing and the band get ready again praying, okay? And so... I want you to pray for a person around you, okay? Uh, feel free to say, no thanks, if you're uncomfortable with that. Totally get it. Uh, you might just want to say, I'll just be by myself now. That's fine. But this is the church, right? If we're a little bit too awkward to pray with other brothers and sisters, we, we need to just break that, okay? That's the reality of it. There is more in common between us through the blood of Jesus than even our biological families because the family are lost into eternity, right? I know familiarity is a bit different. So find someone around you, and I want you to just ask that they would know the favor of God, the blessing of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. If you're not a Christian and you want, you're comfortable saying that, you say, actually, you know, I just, I just want my eyes opened if this is real. Pray for that. The person next to you would be thoroughly privileged to pray for you, okay? So I'm going to stay here, and then I'll close us off in a minute when we've prayed for each other. So 10 seconds to find someone, pray with them. And then we'll go through. Yeah. You only need to say your name and then you can get praying, okay? It's Great. Okay, your minute starts now-ish. If you're not comfortable praying, that's fine. I'll be praying. Thank you. Lord Jesus, as we pray for your blessing and favor upon us, 
We thank you for steadfast love and for great mercy. And we thank you that we can come into your house. And I want to pray, Lord, for all of us here, those who feel as near to you as is possible and those who feel miles away from you. I pray right now for the revelation of the welcome of Jesus and conviction in our hearts. And everybody said...